Warning, the Bonsai Beat contains explicit language and may not be suitable for all listeners or fans of Neo Genesis Evigallion. Several anime companies have gone bankrupt. 1,337 anime fans have been sued. All the while, the Bonsai Beat has been there to deliver you the latest in news, show reviews, and discussions from both the experienced and novice anime fans' point of view. And now, broadcasting from a deserted island so Funimation's lawyers can't find them, here are your hosts, Jellocoon and Zach. Hey everybody, this is Jellocoon along with Zach. Hello there. This is going to be our top five anime of 2014. We have previous versions of this episode on our website at www.bonsaibeat.com front slash reviews. And if you scroll all the way down, there's a top five section. There's 2010 through 2013, I think. Yep. You, yeah, be we, we also did top studios recently. We did, and it even says next to it, recorded so-and-so tight. So we are branching out in our top five. And so, uh, some interesting stats here for the just for quickly for the gear. We missed about two and a half months worth of recording time, so we should have been well past one, well past two hundred by this point, if we stuck it on schedule. Yeah, I'm reminded of that daily. Every, every day, every I day. wake up texting. I'm going two hundred. You son of a bitch. <laughs> it could have been so great. It could have been awesome. We got about 15,000 downloads for the year, so thank you to everyone who has listened and uh, continues to listen. Greatly appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, 2014 went by quick. Hmm. Are we talking, like, anime-wise or existentially-wise? or Existentially and anime. Huh. Yeah. We had, like, I mean, I I look back... I, I listened to our previous top fives getting ready for this episode. And last year we had, you know, Attack on Titan. We had Kill the Kill. Um, you know, really big anime now. Yeah, yeah, this year went by quick. I, I almost, like, when I think back, I, like, consider Kill the Kill this year. So apparently it was a quick year because I didn't even know that was last year. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had a hard time making my list. I had to check a lot of things, and I'm like, was that this year? And then I'm like, well, no, it couldn't have been this year, because it was on my last top five list. Like, what, yeah. what the hell am I doing? Well, we didn't follow the rules last year. And I'll mention what we what we found for our top five for last year as we go through. Mm. Um, you know, by all means, go back and listen if you want to hear more. Cause we each, so how this works, if you've never listened to one of our top five episodes, we... Tell you our top five. We tell you our number, whatever we're at, and then we also kind of give you a little quick synopsis of the show. Um, I actually watched one of the shows recently because I went back and listened to this and went, I want to give that a shot. Went back and watched the show, and I really liked it. So, yeah, so we're good at recommending shows even for ourselves. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, take so, our advice. Exactly. But we, we should have... also have the disclaimer like, Top five anime could mean a lot of things. Oh yeah, we're, this we're is not what we watched. Film critics, it's an opinion of things we've. So first, it's narrowed down by things we've watched. Second, it's narrowed down by things we like. So if you're a huge sword art fan, and you think that's top five. Well, it won't be on my list, but oh. you could also be right when you make your own top five because it's opinion. Yep. So yeah, and it's down to what we watched, and it had to end this year. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. So we kind of fudged that last year where you had like kill a kill and it like had literally only been like half the season. You're like, fuck it. I like kill a kill. <laughs> but I did the same thing with Hajima no Ippo last year where I was like, fuck it because it's Hajima and you know, it's, it's not, nothing's different. Yeah, I, like I break the rules like on it. this one, but I had they're honorable mentions. They're not my top five because like I wanted to put them on there. And I'm like, wait a minute, last year I got in trouble because I'm like I'm five episodes in, guys. But Kill a Kill's great, and they're like, what? <laughs> yeah. So we'll start with you, Zach. Last year, your number five was my mental choices affect my daily life. And oh, that's a great one. That's the one 20, you watched in 2012. You had Sword Art Online for your number oh, five. Damn it. <laughs> Well, it'll be great for people that come listening to our most recent where we review the second season of Sword Art and then hearing me bash it and then hearing it was in my top five. But, there you go. So what's your number five? Uh, my number five this year is... Kame Ga Kill, a show I talked about week to week if you follow frequently. If not, it's a great action show that doesn't take itself seriously. It's 24 episodes and I got the pleasure of watching it week to week with my uh, roommate who, I mean, likes enough anime. We watch it together. We're we're watching Toradora. I'm trying to get him to watch some of the older stuff because he's new to it. But like, I didn't pick it with like the intention of watching it with him. It's just like something I watched in the living room and he kind of attached himself to it. So it's a great show about um, these assassins called Night Raid and their whole purpose is to like thin out all the evil that's in society. So we have superheroes and apparently Japan just has like assassins that kill people, but it takes place in the past with like super weapons that they now the name escapes me but there are a whole bunch of like cool weapons it's really bugging me i don't know the name but anyway my roommate was here he'd know but they have some fancy name for it but they're essentially just special weapons like one is axes that are like boomerangs and one is like a ring that controls water just like silly stuff like that and so each one of the assassins has one of these special things and there's like 40 total so throughout the whole show they're either like killing evil politicians or fighting other people that have the special weapons and it just ends great. The main character you'd think is like some kid that they follow in the first episode, but it really ends up being the girl that the show's named after. And she's in the whole show, so that was kind of a cool twist. Is like you start with one main character, but then he ends up not being the main character. And if you've seen the show all the way through, you know why he can't be. But I don't want to spoil it. So that was just a fun action show, and to me it was great because I enjoyed it week to week, which it's hard for a show to really capture my attention like that, for me not to miss a week. And it was also enjoyable to watch someone with someone. So if you want a good action show, that's that's it. It's a Kame Ga Kill. My number five for last year was Hajime no Ippo. This year it is... Sword Art Online 2. So, I said the second season of Sword Art Online uh, was arguably one of the biggest shows 
of the year. Gaining a large fan base in North America because of being aired on, because of the first season airing on Adult Swim in 2014. The second uh, season reunites Kirito, Asuna, and all his friends from the first season, as well as introducing new characters, namely Sinan. Kirito this time is working for a government agency where he has to enter a new game called Gun Gale Online and uh, has to unmask a sinister character called Death Gun, who has the ability to shoot someone in the game and they die in real life. Uh, I also picked this as number 5 because even though the plot was hokey and Kirito was always overpowered, uh, it just seemed to be the perfect show for the season. Uh, and it, just, it had its fun moments, uh, but their story in particular just kind of made it fun to watch. But, you know, there are parts of the show, as if you listen to our new newest episode at the time of this recording, uh, episode uh, 197, where uh, we go deeper into that. So it was yep. fun to watch week to week, and that's why it's my number five, essentially. Mm. All right, your number four was last year was uh, Danga Rampa. Rampa. Oh, yeah, great show. I'm currently playing the second game because the second anime isn't out yet. Um, that aside, my number four this year... is Hitsugi no Chaika, or Chaika the Conf- Coffin Princess. Not the Coughing Princess, that would be a little, a little weirder, but... I know, I she's fighting Ebola. Yeah, <laughs> it's the disease show. But I've talked about this on and off. I can't remember if I reviewed it. Do you know? Maybe not. Uh, I do not believe you. No, you have not. Okay. Well, that's going to be reviewed soon, because I just finished the second season, and both the first season and the second season... Uh, they had like separate names but they both aired this year so it wasn't like a 24 episode thing it was two 12 episodes thing and it's about these two uh, I don't want to call them assassins because every show has assassins but that's pretty much the archetype they're like these brothers and sister that are just good at fighting and like the, the whole deal is they get hired by someone and they're really loyal and they'll like stick it through the end so the brother encounters this girl named Chaika and she's like wandering through the forest carrying a coffin and he just got finished with a job that like they cheated him out of money so like they need money and he hasn't really done anything useful so he's like well this is interesting like why is she carrying a coffin because even in anime that's weird for them so he follows her through the forest and she gets attacked by some like beast thing and he ends up saving her and she's like wow wow you're really good at fighting but uh, she speaks in like broken sentences, which is hard to describe because it's in Japanese, but in the subtitles or whatever, she says like a few words at a time. So she'll be like, wow, uh, shocking. Her favorite line is like shocking truth or whatever. Like, like that's when something is surprising to her. Like she says like short sentences, like the main character Toru is really good at fighting or Toru is cool. Or like she says like broken sentences and she's, 14 supposedly so it's not like that she's really young and can't form sentences so you later discover that she lost like all of her memories and that's why she has a hard time like communicating and remembering things but she just knows that she has this coffin and she has to fill it 
with the parts of her father, which makes no sense because you don't know that he's dead at the time, but he's dead. So the main goal is to collect all of his parts. And when he was alive, he was like the greatest, greatest mage in the whole kingdom. And he was really evil. So he was the emperor and the greatest mage. But then these legendary heroes, as they call them, killed him. And then they scattered his like limbs and stuff throughout the country. Like each one of the legendary heroes took one because they feared like if he was ever all together, like it was all the most powerful magical energy. So her whole purpose is she thinks is to go around and collect all these parts and give her father a funeral. And she doesn't really have any proof that she's the daughter, but that's like her only memory. So I really enjoyed the show because one, it has action as I mentioned by, like, obviously the assassins and, like, she has to go fight legendary heroes slash steal their parts. So that's obviously going to have conflict. And just, like, the main character, Chika is just, like... I don't want to say cute, because, like, cute isn't necessarily appealing, but it's nice to have a character that's, like, dependent for a reason. Because in a lot of anime, you have, like, oh, girl character really needs help from guy main character because she's useless. Well, in this case, like, she has no memory and has no idea where things are, so it kind of makes sense that she's dependent. And, yeah, it's like a fun adventure show. And season two is just as good as season one. And there's going to be a season three, I think. So I really enjoyed it. There you go. My number four last year was Attack on Titan. This year. Fate Stay Night, the Unlimited Blade Works prequel. So, mm. this is a one-hour episode uh, prequel to uh, Fotable. is coming back out with a new enhanced version of Fate Stay Night. Uh, <clears throat> early last, early, early in 2014, I'd watched the original Fate Stay Night, so I understood the source material really well. Um... And this uh, version, like I said, this version came out with a new update to the material about Ufotable. Um, it was interesting to see how Tosaka had actually gained Lancer. And uh, it was really fun kind of seeing her before she got all her powers and when you actually meet her in the in the actual show. Get to see more of her and understand where she's coming from and why she's fighting and, and everything else. So... Right. Um, if I remember correctly, the prequel was just about her. Yes, it was strictly her. They introduced um, the main character, but that was kind of like they'd whitewash some of the first part of the first episode in the original series. Kind of blended right. in. But, yeah. yeah, it was mainly her and how she gained Lancer and everything else. So, that's that. Yeah, that was done really well. Number three for you last year was Attack on Titan. Mm. And in 2012... It was Psychopaths. Oh, yeah. Those are both good. Now I'm kind of curious what I had one and two. Now I will find out. Be curious along with me, listeners. But this year, you don't have to be curious.
was Niskoy. Um, a show probably a lot of people have heard about, and we've talked about a lot on this show. Yep. Uh, did we review it? Yeah, we did. We did. On 186, Everyone Has Keys, yep. we talked about Niskoy. And I'm going to talk about Niskoy additionally. So, this was a show I first heard about when it was not a show, ironically. It was from my good Chinese friend named Ming. I don't know why his name's important, but it sounds Chinese, so I wanted to mention it. And um, he reads the manga, or not just the manga, but manga in general. And this is one of his favorites. So he tried to convince me to read it, and I like reading, but as I talked about in the last thing we just recorded, light novels aren't necessarily compelling to me. Whether they're A, light novels, so they don't have the deeper plot of real novels, or B, it's translated, so it loses some meaning. Uh, they just don't really appeal to me. So, manga has pictures and it's somewhat better, but I still would rather watch anime and read normal books. So, anyway, he couldn't convince me of it. So, when the show was coming out, I heard about it first, being tied into like the podcasting slash anime news world. I told him about it, and he was really excited to watch it, but he only watches shows once they're done airing. So that's kind of the background of how I heard about it. So I'm like, well, I'll watch this show because I never wanted to read it, but it sounded interesting, so I'd watch it. And the show is about main character Raku, or Ichijo Raku, but anyway. Raku. Oh, Raku, yeah. I don't know why I wanted to pronounce his name like Raku. But anyway, he's the main guy character, and he has this little pendant thing. And it has a keyhole, but... He doesn't know what key opens it, and he knows he doesn't have the key to open it somehow, but he knows someone else must have it, because he made a promise with a girl a long time ago that they would become married eventually if they ever meet each other, and that's where the locket comes from. So, and then, I don't really want to explain the show a lot, because we already talked about it, but the whole point is, like, he meets all these girls, and they all have keys, but which key opens the thing, and really it's just a big not allegory because that's too deep but metaphor for like well which girl actually holds the key to his heart or whatever like what girl did he meet all those years ago and the show's just a lot of fun i watched it with my roommate tristan and he was really into it like his favorite girl was chitoge chitoge yeah yeah mine was onodera yeah kurosaki chitoge mine was kosaki onodera because onodera's best girl Voiced by best girl, but anyway. Who's your voice by? Uh, Kana Hanazawa. That's a pretty cool name. Yep, she does everything. She's Angel and Angel Beats. She's so many things. She's uh cat girl person in Oriimo. But anyway. Oh, okay. Girl Echo. Yep. And she's the main character in Psychopaths. It's a different role, sort of, but yeah. Um, anyway, I've been sidetracked. I've been I've been tricked. But anyway, so I don't want to talk too much about it, but it was a really enjoyable comedy. Shaft has really great animation, and it's colorful, and has all the great head tilts. And, um, there's a few, like, like, the whole point of the show is to pick a girl as the audience. Not the whole point, but, like, that's part of the fun, right? So you're like, well, who's going to win? And 
the show's just a big tease. Each episode ends with like something not working out, so they don't actually find out anymore. So you have 20 episodes of just it being a tease, and it has an appropriate amount of fan service. Like they go to the beach once, and oh, the bath just... scene, man. The oh bath yeah, scene. bathhouse scene. That was a good one. There was like a whole episode, but yeah, but that's like an appropriate amount because like the whole point is like, well, which girl should he actually like? So, and they each have like one-on-one encounters with them, which is nice because the thing I dislike about harem shows which this isn't necessarily harem because he hasn't picked so people might get upset i label it as harem but the problem with harem shows is everyone interacts with the main character like in sword art all at the same time so how can you ever get to know more about the girls when they're all just like vying for him without ever disclosing anything whereas this is like he actually gets to talk to them one-on-one so they actually build some level of relationship i don't know if you can agree with that yeah i agree have you noticed, like, some shows, like, they don't actually go anywhere, but they're all vying at the same time. Yep. So this was interesting, because you got to see where the interaction between the characters went. And that's why it's number three, because my first two were action, and this was, like, a feel-good comedy. So, it was very enjoyable. Nisekoi was number two for me. Um, I'll just continue on where you left off, because definitely uh, no point in... So, uh, no, so we'll just make this my number three. It doesn't really matter either way. Nisekoi, um, I said that, uh... Now, Reiko is a sole heir of the the uh, of a Yakuza family, and then uh, ten years ago he made a promise to some girl that he would they would get married, and that he has a necklace that has a unlockable pendant, and he gave the gave the key to that girl. Well, there's another family that moved in. That's a mafia family. And they have a beautiful daughter named uh, Chikage Kurosaki, and and uh, she's basically if they don't go to if they don't pretend they're dating, which I don't understand. So I think it was like the fathers push them together, so their people don't go to war. These people mm-hmm. are the head of their rival factions. They could just be like, hey. Leave them alone, and they'll leave us alone. And so they take a much more complicated route. Yeah, but that's not as inspirational. I mean, you see it all throughout history with marrying off of, like, kings and queens and princesses and, you know. I guess, but wouldn't it just be easy to be like... They're, like, trying to join families to, like, not... Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) they have to pretend they're dating. Really lame story. Um... You know, kind of a plot. He'd be like, "What the?" Fuck? I was gonna say, I totally forgot about that because, like, it doesn't. It's just for the sake of them talking. Yep. So, meanwhile, uh, Reku does have a girl he likes, Onadera, who also likes him. And this broke out the war of best girl 2014. <laughs> yep. Where the internet was divided, who was best girl, Kurosaki or Onadera, or there's a third girl, and I can't think of her name right now. Southern girl. No, she's faking that. Yeah. <laughs> so all these, like, these three different girls, it turns out to be, all have. Well, actually, there's four girls because of the the the, the cross dresser. Right. Yeah. Five if you include uh, Onadera's friend, but really, there's only three. Oh, come on. Rory does not care. Rory is like, I don't give two shits. Basically. I am what? Well, she wants Onadera and Rock. And- yeah, exactly, but that's all she wants. Yeah, that's all. It's not like she's in it. No, she's just there to like make Onadera do shit. <laughs> so yeah, there is four girls at this point. 
Three of them have keys. And so I said that the show, you know, the art was really well done. It was really bright and colorful. And they used, I don't know, maybe this is the first episode, maybe the first show I'm start doing it. They had all those 3D sparkles and shit. Oh, yeah, like every well, After show watching like... Love Lab, though, Love Lab does it too. Yeah, to me, it or was Love new Live, at the time, whatever. But no, Love Lab. No. Love yeah. Lab, yeah. Yeah, they'd have like 3D sparkles everywhere. And it's like, like, okay. Um, so, I mean, it was just a fun to watch week to week. Overall, I was pissed off because the show doesn't go anywhere. It's always it's the, the same ultimate shit. Tease. Yeah, like you said, the ultimate tease. The good news is next season, spring 2015. There's a new season of Nisekoi. Nice mm. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Did you know about that? Nope. Well, there you go. So, hopefully by then, we will uh, have some something going on. And maybe the second season might be in my top five next year. Number two for you last year was Rogan S. And the year before that was Future Diary. Ooh. Future Diary is like one of my all-time favorites. I wonder what was number one. I've I've seen Future Diary four times now. I, I'd watch it endless amount of times. I still yeah. haven't even seen it dubbed yet. Four times and it was all subbed because I don't think the dub's very good from what I listened to. Gotcha. Anyway, we're not talking about Future Diary here. We're talking about... No game, no life. This is a show that was like abundantly popular on things like Reddit. And to me, it was for all the lo- wrong reasons. John can probably disagree, but they're like, "Oh, lad, it's so colorful!" And look at all the fan service. How dare it be bright and cheerful? Meanwhile, I'm over here, the big nerd, talking about like the game theory. I'm like, "Did you see the pictures of the game states when they were playing chess?" <laughs> but <laughs> this was a really enjoyable show, and I remembered it being enjoyable partly because i enjoyed watching it and partly because it was fun to review i got to review it with uh my friend john and that was episode 192 titled kirito is like john cena kirito is not in this but <laughs> we talked a lot about sword art and in the show these two characters brothers and sister Sora, i like how they don't have last names that's convenient sora and shiro get transported to this game world after they beat who is supposedly the leader of the game world named Tet in a chess match. So in the chess match they showed all the game states and they're supposed to be the best duo at games ever. So they go by blank and they're like an unbeatable... I don't know. The translation was unclear whether they go by just an empty space and that's why they're blank or they go by the word blank. But either way, that's their name. And... Uh, they get well, further, I guess you could just go listen to the review if you want further knowledge, but I'm sure a lot of people have seen it, so I'm just going to explain why I enjoyed it. So initially I enjoyed it because they did a really good job observing how games actually work. So first they have the game board states, and if you're unfamiliar with chess, which I don't see how that's possible, but if you are, there's certain times in the game called board states. So like every time a board is, or a piece is removed or moved on the board, that's a new board state because it looks different. So, supposedly, the little sister is good at chess because she memorized every single board state. So, if it looks like a certain thing, then she knows what move to make. So, like, therefore, she can never make the wrong move, and she wins. 
which makes sense. And then later they get to betting and how that works with game theory. So they do play rock, paper, scissors, which is a simple enough game. But when you have different things at stake, winning or losing means different point values or whatnot. And they explain that in a big diagram. So as an economist, I deal with a lot of game theory, and that was interesting to me too. Meanwhile, this is like episode four, it's somehow built a cult following. So I watched it when like not many people were talking about it. And then episode four, I'm talking about game theory, and there's like a thousand people talking about this character named Stephanie Dola, which actually her name's Dora, but for some reason they liked somehow she became Dola, and the, the subs are even Dola, so I don't, I don't know why it's like that, but anyway. So regardless of what her name actually is, she becomes like the, the big-titted superstar of the show, and like apparently there's a lot of fan service that I didn't notice while I was watching the game theory part. So initially I liked it because of the analysis, and finally I liked it because it was just like a really clever way to use games, because in that world everything is decided by games. So they're invited to the world as the best at games, and that's convenient for them because like disputes like arguments are settled with games, betting and making money is with games, and uh, the highest stake thing which they end up doing at the end is like betting land and like conquering other races is done with games. So it was really interesting. It was a very colorful show, so it was nice to nicely animated and fun to watch. And the characters and plot was all enjoyable. Like there's not really any faults with the show, and I feel like everyone I talked to liked it for different reasons. So I feel like it appeals to a wide audience. That's, so that's why I ranked it number two. It's not my personal favorite on this list, but I think it's a really solid show. All right. There you go. <clears throat> my number two last year was uh, The Flowers of Evil. And in 2012, uh, Future Diary. So, yeah. Uh, my number two this year. Space Dandy. Season one or two? Both. Both? Is yep. this really both for this year? Yeah. Hmm. So, it was a quick year, yeah, <laughs> I it guess. Was. But that also seems far away. I know. So this was a really cool year. This was really cool, and I really hope it happens more often. Space Dandy aired on Adult Swim, dubbed before it even aired in Japan. So technically, so they were airing in Japanese, uh, but technically we got to see it first. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time that a a brand new ever anime, a brand new anime that never aired on TV. Period. Is airing on a very well-known channel, Cartoon Network, mm-hmm. and it got a dub right then and there. Yeah, simultaneously. Yes. So I thought that was freaking awesome, and I watched. Uh, it was one of the big things for Toonami coming back, actually. Um, or was it? Nah, Toonami came back last year. Never mind. Yeah. Anyway, it was still pretty cool. Um. So. His name is Dandy, and he's a, he's a dandy guy in space. But in, <laughs> I love that's that his thing. The announcer's great. Yes. So he is an alien catcher, so he goes around the universe catching aliens, and he has a robot, and he catches a, a, a cat-looking thing named Meowth, or something like that. 
something, yeah, something parody of yeah, Pokemon. yeah. So, um, and then if he's not catching uh, aliens, he's at his favorite bar called Boobies. <laughs> so One of the great restaurants. Yep. So, uh, the show is episodic. There at no at no point are there any episodes that are like. There's no ever an art. There's never an overarching story here. Everything is just week to week, and they have a bunch of different stories, and they're just interesting. It, it was just a lot of fun to watch because you never knew what was going to happen until you watched it. And pretty much all the episodes were pretty good. There were a couple of ones that were kind of boring, but overall, it was really fun to watch. And I just think the fact that we got something like this was just amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, that's why it's my number two. Actually, no good amount of people that like weren't even into anime, and that show actually kind of hooked them. But I think it's because it was dubbed and because it was episodic. Right. I mean, yeah. it's like an easy to follow show, and they're like, "Well, did you see Space Dandy?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, it's an anime show." They're like, "Oh, well, I saw like episode seven or whatever, but it was pretty cool." So, yep. It was so, nice that like people saw one episode and they're like, "What is this?" Yeah. At first, you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. And, you know, because it's like almost like you're they were pandering exactly to the Adult Swim audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, smart. They knew their target audience. Yes. They're like, hey, America would like this show. I don't think it did too well in Japan. I could be wrong, though. Yeah, I'm not sure. Alright, 2012. Yep. Your number one was Fade Zero. Oh, well, that makes sense. Especially when you hear this one. And then, number one for you last year was Steins Gate the Movie. Oh, yeah, excellent. I wonder where Science Gate original was. Oh, well, we won't we won't think too hard about it. Wasn't even in there. <laughs> well, it was the year before that. So. Yep, I only did uh, 2011. Um, all right. Well, this year it makes sense tied into 2012. I picked Fate Stay Night, something that never would have been on my list if it wasn't redone by Ufotable, because the original one is quite bad. And I can say that pretty concretely, because I played most of the visual novel that it's based on. Some people are like, well, this is a remake based on the old show, so like, how are they getting more information? Well, they're getting more information because the old show is based on something greater, the game, the visual novel. So this is trying to set the... It's trying to set everything right. So, in the original one, they did. Fate Zero comes before this. And then, they, well, okay. Well, I'm not going to talk about how they made it. But anyway, so there's currently Fate Zero, the old Fate Stay Night, and then the old Fate Stay Night movie. And the movie is just like another arc or path or I guess route is the technical term people would use for visual novels. 
So this one's trying to combine both. So it's called Fate Stay Night Unlimited Blade Works, which is the Unlimited Blade Works is the title of the movie. So you can already know that like you're going to get a combination of the movie and the first time they did the show. And the movie focuses on Rin and the first show focuses on Emiya. So you find out that's going to be what it's about when in the prequel, like Rob mentioned earlier, that um, they talk about exclusively Rin. So and Rin's the main character of the movie. So you're like, well, that's good. And then further on after the prequel, they have 12 episodes that I'm yet to finish because I'm waiting for my roommate because he told me to wait. It's killing me. But anyway, it's my top show that I haven't even finished because I'm like too behind. But they continue to follow the main character and of course they're in the same world and competing in the same Holy Grail War if you're unfamiliar with the whole Fates series as a whole which probably isn't possible by now in anime world but if you are somehow it's the Holy Grail War is just a whole bunch of legendary heroes from past like King Arthur and just any other legendary hero Hercule or not Hercule <laughs> Dragon Ball Z Hercules just anyone that was really good at fighting you could even have the guy from Braveheart, but not Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. He plays. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was trying to clarify. I guess what? That's William Wallace. Anyway, I don't know enough about history to tell you all of them, but the point is they could all be in here. Um, so they all compete for fighting, and they're what's called servants, and they get summoned by masters that uh, are mages that summon them. So Rin's a mage, and she summons one of the heroes. And then Emiya's a mage, and unknowingly summons another one. And there's, like, a whole bunch of participants. Not a whole bunch, but, what, nine? Nine? Something like that, yeah. That, that seems like too many. But anyway, there's a good amount of them, and they all have different abilities. So that's the point of the show. But why is it so much better than the original? So the original... Um, well, first, the animation wasn't up to par. So Ufotable did Fate Zero as well, which was a prequel to the uh, source material. So they had to make up a story all on their own because it didn't exist. So one, they're really good at making up a story. And two, they're really good at animating. So everything looks super good. Now, Fate Stay Night was taking material from some things, so they couldn't screw up the story so bad. But they actually did by leaving out a lot. And then the animation wasn't great. So this time around, it's better because the animation's better and the story is more accurate to the source material. And it's also nice because watching it uh, for the first time when I did, I got to watch the prequel before the Fate Stay Night, even though they're made in the opposite order. And it was just really jarring because I went from like this great, concise show with great animation to like this convoluted one with bad animation. I just didn't even; it wasn't even the same. So. For all the people starting the Fates uh, series now, now is a great time because you'll be watching, if you want to do it in chronological order, which you should now, Fate Zero, and then f the Fates Day Night Unlimited Blade Works by Ufotable because one, it looks better, and two, the story's better. So now's yeah. a great time to be alive for anime fans. Then you gotta watch uh, the Ilya spinoffs. Oh, right, yeah. So I haven't talked about that this time, but on past podcasts, I watched the Ilya spinoffs, and she's one of the server masters in Fate Stay Night. She controls Hercules, but she's now a magical girl in the spinoff, and it's it's very entertaining slash cute. So Kokoro Chan, Ilya. Uh, yep. Yeah. So awesome. My number one for uh, last year was White Album. Oh, yeah. Album two. 
Um, and then the year before that was Kids on a Slope. This year it was. Golden Dime. Uh, it feels like forever I've seen this show since I've seen this show. Yeah, I was talking to John before we recorded, and I'm like, was Golden Time 2014? Yep. <laughs> he said he said yes. I think it was early on. Yeah, it, it, it was winter. It was it started in 2013, ended in 2014. Okay, well then it counts. Yep. So uh, I taught at Barnery, uh, started law school, and while being lost, he met his. He met a new friend named Mitsuo, and they're walking to class, and all of a sudden, this woman jumps out of a car and beats his ass with some roses. <laughs> that woman's name is Kokoro Kaga. Uh, sorry, Koko Kaga. And uh, she's got a thing for Mitsuo. They're supposed to be married, and she's crazy. Or so we think. Eventually, they, uh, they get to know each other, and they fall in love, and everything's happy. Well, uh, like, I was like, a year prior, uh, Banry had, uh, lost his memories in an accident when he was going to go confess to another girl named Linda, who happens to also go to the school. How so, convenient. Yes. There's, uh, then there's even ghosts. It's like a college, too. Yes, isn't it? it's it is. like a school. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So there's Ghost Banry who remembers everything before the accident, and then there's him just saying like, "Hey, okay," and he gets bits, bits and pieces of it back throughout the show. So you're almost kind of same thing, best girl. You know who's the best girl, Kaga or or Linda? Um, uh, you know, and if you can get past the supernatural stuff, because they only use it when it's inconvenient. Uh, you know, for convenience purposes. Um, mm-hmm. But what I liked about the show was. You know, it was nice seeing college-age kids. It was nice. They can go out and drink. They can go out and do normal things. They, they, they can drive. Yeah. yeah. They can live their life normally as an adult would. And that it is was, the downfall of school life anime. Where like, school life just means walking to school and being there. Yep. <laughs> Instead of doing other things. Yep. So, you know, and it was very, uh, you know, there were some nice parts where they're like, we're going to have sex. I'm like, okay, great. You know, instead of, oh my god, I'm scared. (laughs) Oh my god, he saw me getting out of the shower. I'll never get married, guys. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, it was just more mature, and it was nice. Um, That and the show just did a good job of, well, except the ending. Ending kind of sucked. I gave up when they got captured by a cult. That was early. (laughs) I know. That was was four. I'm like, what? (laughs) Yes. They get captured by a cult early on. That happened to me in college, too. Oh, I'll never tell um, But, I mean, I really like the show. I like the fact that you're dealing with more mature subjects. Yeah, the supernatural stuff was good, but the way they used it was really good. So they used it for cliffhangers and things of that nature. Like, for example, he fell out of bed, and it was like, boom. He remembered all his memories, and it was like, oh, shit. Everything has been up a lie since now. <laughs> you know, things like that kind of happened. So that's why I picked Golden Time as my number one. It was a really fun show. Um, watching it week to week was definitely really fun because 
so many of the episodes were cliffhangers. So you're like, oh shit, what's gonna happen? Uh, it'd probably be a really good to do a marathon too. I think that's those cliffhangers that would be probably a lost on you. But uh, that and that's probably one of my favorite openings of the, of the year. So I really like the second opening theme song of the show. Um, so yeah. Hopefully you can play that one. Yeah. With your mad editing skills afterwards. There you go. But I won't. But yeah, that is our top five of 2014. So, uh, yeah, uh, 2014 anime as a whole. I mean, we took some really big steps forward, not just in the shows we like to watch, but uh, just in the in what's going on in the industry kind of thing. I mean, getting on TV and doing well mm-hmm. is huge, and I really hope 2015 has a similar, uh, more strides you know, going forward for that. Right. A great trend. A great day to be alive. Yep. And, you know, I'll probably end up watching an anime from this year and going, God, that was such a good anime. I should put it on my top five list. <laughs> right, yeah. So. I still have some I want. I mean to watch, too. There you go. But All it right. also made me want to re-listen to the past podcasts we did for top five. There you go. Go check them out. BonsaiBeat.com front slash reviews. All right. Thank you very much for listening to our 2014 top five episode. Leave us comments, feedback, uh, rate us on iTunes. Here's to another great year of podcasting. Year number seven. This has been the Bonsai Beat Podcast. If you have any feedback, head over to bonsaibeat.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode. While you're there, you can also find our review index, which has a list of all the anime that we've reviewed on the Bonsai Beat Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to add us to your favorite podcatcher. You can find links to do that on our website. Otherwise, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio if that's easier for you. Once again, this is the Bonsai Beat Podcast. Thank you for listening. And if you have any other questions or comments, you can send them to bonsaibeat at gmail.com.